Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for streaming today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory is a nonprofit ministry featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Robert Jeffress. Our mission is to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word through the most effective media available, like this podcast. To support Pathway to Victory, go to ptv.org podcast and click the donate button or follow the link in our show notes. Now, here's today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. This is Robert Jeffress. In response to the horrific attack on Israel, I've written a brand new book called Are We Living in the End Times? Go to ptv.org to order your copy. It's possible as a believer to be ashamed when the end times arrive and Christ returns. How can we make sure we're not ashamed? That's what we're going to talk about today in this concluding message in our series, Are We Living in the End Times? Today, I want to address the subject, how should I prepare for the end times? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffers. Whether it's tending to your health, investing time in a worthy cause, or saving for retirement, you likely devote time and resources to your future well-being. But how much time do you spend preparing for eternity? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares how you can start preparing right now for the certainty of the return of Christ. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Well, even though we've started a new month, it's not too late to request our special January offer from Pathway to Victory. I'm referring to one of our most popular resources, our Pathway magazine. The list of recipients who enjoyed this exclusive publication has multiplied many times over. And I don't want you to miss out on receiving my daily devotionals and the practical articles that address current issues about Christian living. Today is the last day I'll mention this time-limited offer. So be sure to go online to ptv.org as soon as possible. To request your first edition, a complimentary edition, of Pathway Magazine, just follow the simple instructions at ptv.org. But that's not all, because today is the last day I'll mention my brand new book on Bible prophecy that's titled with a question, Are We Living in the End Times? Although it was just released a short while ago, it's already a national bestseller. Don't let time slip away from you. I want to send you a copy of this important book to your home right away because it answers seven pertinent questions about Bible prophecy and the end times. I'd be pleased to send you a copy when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Again, my new book is titled, Are We Living in the End Times? We'll share more details about my book and other resources later in today's program. But in this final message, I'll address the most important question of the entire series. It's a very personal question. And in the event you missed any portion of my earlier presentation, we'll begin with some helpful highlights from yesterday's program. I titled this message, How Do I Prepare for the End Times? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you it is later on God's time clock than it's ever been before. God's return is fixed on his calendar, and every second moves us closer to that. Christ's coming is certain, and it's soon. You may say, so what? What difference does it make in my life if Christ is coming back soon? The Bible never divorces. It never separates 
the teaching of the end times with how we are to live right now. God's word always ties the two together. A great illustration of that is 2 Peter 3, verses 11 and 12. Peter has just described how the earth, this present earth, is one day going to be burned up and uh, disposed of before the new heaven and the new earth. And notice what he says in verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? How are we to live in light of the end times? Let me suggest to you from the Bible four qualities that ought to characterize every believer as the end times approach. First of all, the Bible says we ought to live with hope. Knowing that the end is soon, we ought to live with hope. You may say, how can I be hopeful when I look at what's happening in Ukraine or Israel or China or potentially nuclear Iran? How can I be hopeful? I was reading this week Richard Haas a longtime U.S. diplomat said, quote, the world is in complete disarray. Now, that's a secular man talking about the state of the world. It is in complete disarray. Hearing that comment reminded me of something the former Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel said a few years ago at a conference in Washington. He said, I think we're living through one of these historic defining times we are seeing a new world order, post-World War II, post-Soviet Union implosion being built. Tyranny, terrorism is going to be with us. It's a reality. I see those things continuing. So what hope is there? Where is our hope in the midst of this turmoil? Ladies and gentlemen, our hope doesn't rest in Washington, D.C., our hope doesn't rest with some candidate for office. If it's not in Washington, if it's not with a political candidate, where is it? Listen to Psalm 39, 7. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Ladies and gentlemen, our hope is in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's where our hope is. And that's why, as Paul says in Romans 15, 13, we ought to be abounding in hope as God's children. This is one of the most beautiful benedictions found in Scripture, Romans 15, 13. Paul says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see those two references to hope? My Hope is that you will be filled with peace and joy so that you might abound in hope. That word abound is a word that refers to a river that overflows its banks. The idea is somebody standing on the bank, the bank overflows, the river overflows, and it splashes the person standing by and watching. He said there ought to be so much joy flowing through our lives right now. So much joy that if anybody gets close to us, they're gonna get splashed, not with water, but with joy. 
That's how Christians are to be. It's a strong witness for Christ when we're able to share joy. I'm not talking about giddiness. I'm talking about the calm assurance that God is in control of what's happening in the world in general and in my world specifically. That's a powerful witness for the gospel. Peter understood that truth. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15, he wrote, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everybody who asks you to an account. You know, we use this verse in apologetics about why we as Christians ought to know God's word and be able to defend the doctrines of the faith. Be ready to ask anybody who asks you for an account. Have those things memorized. Be ready to share. Now, that's all well and good, but that's not what Peter primarily has in mind here. Do you know I've been a pastor for 45 years? Never once has an unbeliever asked me, Pastor, would you give an account for why you believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? Never once. I've never had an unbeliever ask me, why do you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture? I've never had an unbeliever ask, why do you believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ for our sins? Now, those are all important doctrines. Don't misunderstand. But the unbeliever doesn't know enough to ask those questions. That's not what Peter is talking about. He says, be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you. That's what attracts an unbeliever's attention. When he sees a Christian so filled with hope, no matter what the chaos is, that he stands out of the crowd. That's how we're to be in these end times. We're to live with hope. Notice, <laughs> Peter doesn't say, be ready to give an account for the depression that is in you or the apprehension that is in you. Spend too much time listening to talk radio or watching cable news. You're going to be filled with despair and anxiety. No, what attracts unbelievers is when they see the hope that is within us. We're to live with hope, but secondly, we're to live with insight. Now, tucked away in the book of 1 Chronicles, in the Old Testament in chapter 12, is a listing of Jewish men who decided to leave the service of King Saul and start supporting God's man in Hebron, King David. And it lists these men who made that decision to switch affiliations. And it listed them by the tribes of Israel, the men of Judea, the Judah, the men of Benjamin, the tribe of Levi. And then when it got to the tribe of Issachar, you find this word in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. The sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. These men understood that the political winds in Israel were changing. They had their finger on the pulse of what was happening in their country morally, spiritually, and even politically. They had insight into what was happening around them. You know, there's so many Christians, I run into them all the time. They say, well, I never keep up with current events. I never watch the TV news. I never read the news feed. I just concentrate on my relationship with God. That sounds so good, but it is so wrong. Listen, if you don't remember anything else I said today, remember this, God places no premium on ignorance. 
And you know, there are crowns, different Christians are going to receive. There's a crown of righteousness, a crown of faith, a crown of perseverance. Don't expect God to ever give you a crown for ignorance. Oh, you didn't know what was happening in your world? Congratulations. No, we are to understand what is happening in our world today. I think about Billy Graham. You know, Billy used to say, I keep a newspaper in one hand and I keep my Bible in the other hand. The newspaper tells me what's happening. The Bible tells me what it means. Now, again, you can go overboard in that. You can become obsessed with news events and political talk, but we need to be aware of what's happening. Why? So that number three, we can be people of action. We are to live with action. Again, First Chronicles 12, 32, they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. It is so easy for us to do nothing, to be paralyzed with fear and depression, because of what's happening. No, the Bible says we need to know what is happening so that we know what to do. I think about a story about Catholic theologian Richard John Newhouse. Newhouse was on his way to a speaking engagement and his driver started lamenting the condition of the world and what terrible times they were living in. And Newhouse finally said, you're right, the times are terrible, but they're the only times God has given us. Remember, even in these times, hope is of Christian virtue and despair is a mortal sin. We need to know what we should do. I read about a famous evangelical pastor. You know him. He was meeting with a group of pastors talking about what they should be doing in light of what's happening. And this pastor said, if we would simply stop watching pornography, slandering other people, gossiping, and give attention to our relationship with God, our world would be a better place. Now, I agree with that. I'm all for stopping watching pornography and slandering and gossiping and reading the Bible. But then he went on to say, personally, I think we ought to take a year off from fighting the culture wars and instead just concentrate on our relationship with God. Now, that sounds so good. That sounds so pious, but it is so wrong. Take a year off from pushing back against the slaughter of millions of babies through abortion. Take off a year from speaking out against immorality or to speak out against human trafficking. We don't get to take time off. As Christians, we are to be people of action. That's what Jesus called us to. In Matthew 5, 13, we've been over this many times, but we need to remind ourselves of this. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus said, as the church of Jesus Christ, we're like salt. Salt was used as a preservative in Jesus' day. It slowed down, didn't prevent, but it slowed down the decay of meat. It gave the meat a longer shelf life. In the same way, Jesus said, I'm leaving you here as my representatives, first of all, to slow down the decay of the world so that we have longer to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And that means speaking up and pushing back. There is a new book, you may have seen it advertised on TV, I'm reading right now, called The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. It's a look at evangelical churches over the last 20 years. 
And the author, Tim Alberta, is trying to answer the age-old question, what should a church's attitude, what should the church's attitude be toward cultural rot and decay, toward an ungodly government? What should we do? Should our attitude be isolation and indifference? That's exactly what the German pastors thought in the time of Adolf Hitler. They said, Hitler's rise to power is none of our concern. We don't preach politics from the pulpit. We just preach the gospel. We believe in the sovereignty of God. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. We'll preach the gospel. That is the reason Adolf Hitler was able to exterminate six million Jews was the indifference of Christians who found a reason not to get involved and push back against evil. So this book was of special interest to me certainly because a chapter was devoted to me and to our church. So I wanted to see what they said. And he said some nice things about our church, but he threw us into that mix of mixing the gospel with politics. You know, it is so interesting to me that people who criticize us for doing that, they never once criticized Martin Luther King Jr. for his involvement in the civil rights movement. Why did King get involved in that? Because his faith compelled him to. It wasn't right to discriminate against a person based on the color of his skin, but nobody accused him of getting involved in politics. This group never accused Christian abolitionists who ended slavery in our country for getting involved in politics. That's okay, that's conviction. But if a church like ours speaks out against gay marriage or the murder of unborn children, suddenly that becomes political. No, Jesus has called us to push back, to be salt in this decaying world. And that means we've got to be people of action. But he also said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden Look, we can't just sit in our pews and soak in the truth. Daniel 11.32 says, the people who know their God shall stand firm and shall take action. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to be known as people of action. And finally, he calls us to live with courage. A.W. Tozer once said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Now, we are going to stand firm, but we need to realize there's a price to pay for doing that. Unlike Christians around the world, we've never really had any persecution in America for our faith, but I believe it is coming. Jesus predicted it would happen. In John 16, he said, in the world, you will have tribulations, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. We ought to live with that courage. What should be our first priority for the last days? This is so important. The very first priority is to make sure that we're in a right relationship with God. The British humorist G.K. Chesterton was reading an article one day in the London Times. It was an essay titled, What's Wrong with the World? <laughs> G.K. Chesterton wrote a reply, said, Dear Sirs, I am. Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. He got it right. What's the problem with the world? You're the problem. I'm the problem. 
Those who have rebelled against God have caused the world to be like it is, and all of us have rebelled. Romans 3.23 says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we want to make the world a better place, we have to, first of all, be reconciled to God. The most important decision you can make to prepare for the end times is to be sure you're at peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never be at peace with yourself at peace with other people, at peace with the world, until, first of all, you're at peace with God. The Bible says our sin has become a barrier between God and us. We have to remove the sin in our life. How do you do that? That's what trusting in Jesus is all about. When we confess our sins and place our faith in Jesus as our Savior, God takes our ragtag spiritual clothing, our dirty righteousness, and he puts it on his own son, Jesus Christ. He takes our unrighteousness and puts it on Jesus Christ, and then he takes the righteousness of Christ and wraps it around us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And the best way to prepare for the end times is even tonight before you go to bed to make sure that you have received that forgiveness from God. In my book, Countdown to the Apocalypse, I tell a familiar fable about Satan meeting with three apprentice demons. He said, now, demons, our goal is to deceive millions of people from trusting in Christ as their Savior. Does anybody have any new ideas on how to do that? The first demon raised his hand and said, I've got it. We'll tell humans there is no God. Satan shook his head, said, that won't work. They can look around the world and the universe and know that didn't just happen by accident. Second demon raised his hand and said, I've got it. We'll tell people there is no hell. Satan said, that won't work either. People see the evil things that happen in the world. They know innately there has to be some ultimate punishment for that. The third demon raised his hand and said, I've got it. I've got it will tell them there is no hurry. And Satan smiled and said, perfect. With that tactic, you will deceive millions. It's so easy for us to fall into that trap of think there's no hurry about being in a right relationship with God. Maybe right now you're saying, I know I need to square things off with the Creator, but I'll, I'll tend to that after I deal with this health problem that's a focus of my life right now. Or I've got this family issue that's really causing problems I need to take care of first. Or I've got a business problem that really has me tied up in knots. But when I get that solved, then I get around to my relationship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no promise of a tomorrow. Today's the time to make sure you're in a right relationship with God. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, Paul said, For this is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is coming back again. And he's coming soon. Are you ready? 
And this represents the conclusion to my brand new teaching series, answering the pressing question from believers around the world, are we living in the end times? This brand new teaching series began on Friday, January 19th. And in a moment, David will explain how you can receive the entire collection of studies on audio CD and video DVD in their original unedited form. This would make a perfect series for your small group Bible study or your Sunday school class. Plus, I've written a best-selling book by the same title. This is the very last day I'll mention it. My book is titled, Are We Living in the End Times? The subtitle is Biblical Answers to Seven Questions About the Future. Anyone who's interested in Bible prophecy and God's timeline for the future needs to have this book in their personal collection. A copy is yours today when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. In closing, I'd like to invite you to become one of our valued Pathway Partners. Pathway Partners are people who understand the darkness of our world and want to shine the light of God's Word in those dark places. Right now, we're praying that God would stir up 1,200 new Pathway Partners to join the team. Why should you take this step? Well, becoming a Pathway Partner enables you to boldly proclaim the Gospel into places you may never physically visit. You choose the amount of your monthly gift, and as a Pathway Partner, God will use you to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. I look forward to hearing from you today. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support Pathway to Victory, or when you become a Pathway Partner, we'll say thanks by sending you Dr. Jeffress's brand new book, Are We Living in the End Times? Just call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. And when you give $75 or more, we'll also send you the brand new teaching series on CD and DVD. It's also called, Are We Living in the End Times? Plus, you'll receive a copy of The End Times Illustrated. But this is the last time we'll mention this very special collection of resources, so be sure to reach out to us today. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. You could write to us if you'd like, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us next week for the start of a new series called What Every Christian Should Know here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. You made it to the end of today's podcast from Pathway to Victory, and we're so glad you're here. Pathway to Victory relies on the generosity of loyal listeners like you to make this podcast possible. One of the most impactful ways you can give is by becoming a Pathway Partner. Your monthly gift will empower Pathway to Victory to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and help others become rooted more firmly in His Word. To become a Pathway Partner, go to ptv.org podcast and click on the Donate button or follow the link in our show notes. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast from Pathway to Victory.